mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Turn in your Bibles with me to 1 John chapter 5. We're going to be beginning in verse 6 today. But by way of review, we've entered this last section, really, uh, of John's letter to the church. And as we closed last week, we really seen um, verse 5, and we'll just kind of read that again and take a look at it. Who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? And, of course, believes is the word pistio. It means to entrust your spiritual well-being into Christ. And there's supposed to be a constancy. Now, I know in the church today, a lot of times we go, well, I believe, and then we just go on with life like normal, like we don't have to do anything else. But we're going to see in today's text that we're not just supposed to believe, but we're supposed to have a continuance in the believing. We're supposed to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ in a personal way. Do you believe? When you believe, you overcome. You have the victory. You become what we call an overcomer. Now, I left out last week, and I probably should have mentioned that when you believe, what happens in your life? You become what the Bible calls a believer priest. Yeah, we become saints. We become believer priests with God. And see, that's what God always wanted. He wanted a nation of people who would follow him, would be representative of him, who would serve him. And how do you serve, how's a priest serve some serve God? Well, you serve others. You give your life away to others. That's what a priest does. All of us become believer priests. In the in the Old Testament, when you see them come out and God led them out of Egypt, which to you and me is the world, he leads us out of the world away from Satan, which is Pharaoh, the leader of the world, Egypt, and takes them across the Red Sea. I mean, what an amazing thing. The Bible tells us that they are baptized into Moses. In other words, they're identified with Moses, which means one drawn out. They're identified in the direction he's going, and they begin to follow, and they have to go through the great and terrible desert. And they get right out in the desert, and Moses says, hey, here's the Ten Commandments. Here's the ten things that God says. Here's what he, And they go, we'll do it. We will do it. Only they didn't know that they didn't have any capacity to do it. And before Moses could get back up to Mount Sinai and, and get it written on paper to make these contracts, if you remember, there's ten commandments. Most people think that there's, you know, two tablets. You see that on the courthouse, you know, you see two tablets and all ten. 
It's not, it's, there's not two sides of this contract. There's two people involved in the contract. There's God and then man involved in the contract. And what he wanted was a whole nation of priests, all of them to agree to his Ten Commandments. But what happens is he's up there and Moses, or God says to Moses, get down from here. They've already risen up to play. They've already broken all ten of them before I can even write them down and we can hand out the contracts. You know, if you go to do something with somebody and you sign a contract, you get two copies. That's why there's two of them. All ten of them are on each page. It's not front and back. There's just ten commandments on each page. And God says, I'm never going to lie. I'm never going to break mine. So just hang on to my copy for me. So then both of them are in the uh, uh, covenant in the, in the tabernacle. Um, and so anyway, the point, here comes Moses. He says, who's ever for me? Come over here. Remember the lie, the holy cow? He says, what is going on? There's a sound of war in the camp. But the people had risen up to play. And Moses said, if you're for me, come over here. And 3,000 of them did, the Levites. See, God wanted the whole, all of them to be believer priests. I believe in you, God. I trust in you, God. I'm following you, God, out. And he's always wanted a nation of priests. People who love him and serve him and follow him and represent and witness to others that, that they serve a living and true God. But it was only 3,000 of them that day that came over down Moses' side. I think there was 3,000 that died that day when they brother killed brother. Family rose up against family. What a horrible thing. But my point simply is, is that when you believe New Testament, now believing in God, they believed the same way back then. They looked forward to Christ. They become a priest. When you trust and you follow, you become a priest. When you give your life to God, it's not like I gave my life to God, now I get to go do what I want with my life. Do you believe? Do you trust God? See, we got this battle going on here. This, this is what it is. It's a battle about trust. Who am I going to trust in? And you know what? Here's the truth. That sometimes you can trust in the church or the, the so-called church, and they can give you the worst counsel on the planet because they don't know the Word of God. You're like, I'm trusting in the church. I'm joining that church. I'm being part of that church. I'm going to go over there. And they give you the worst counsel on the planet because they don't know the word of God. They haven't come and had a relationship with God. What they did was followed some system, some religion, some works, and they did their own little thing. And now they're telling you how to do their own little thing instead of spending time in the word of God with God. And obeying God because of the spirit of God for the glory of God. And you have this relationship that's called a marriage. The two become one. They agree together as one. And so then you ask the church for counsel, and they tell you, put mustard on it. It always helps. I know that sounds crazy, doesn't it? But they tell you some silly thing that the world made up because they've been living in the world and their heart is still listening to the world and they haven't learned the word of God so they don't have the witness of God even living in them. But they tell you they're the church. Are you a believer, priest, where you believe God? Now, I believe some of what God said, but I believe God completely. I'm following God. I want to continue with God. His Spirit's now in me. Or are you listening to man and getting the wrong witness, the wrong counsel? 
Because man will tell you, take, them, take that gold out of your ears. Come on. Come on, take the gold out of your ears. Now listen, because that's who you belong to. Gold in your ears. Where's your ear pierced at? Who pierced your ear? Who do you belong to? That's a, that's a form of slavery. And then we, what happened to Aaron? Oh, we threw this gold in the fire and out popped these calves. And we said, holy cow. And we started worshiping it. And Aaron says to him, that there's the God that brought you out of Egypt. Can you imagine right now if you were standing there how bad that council was? No, I don't think you do because that was death. That was counsel that was death. Moses is on the mount. He's the one they're supposed to be following. He's the one with the Ten Commandments. He's coming back, and God says, go down. I'm done. It's crazy. And then he had to separate himself and put his tabernacle where he met with Moses outside the camp because the camp was now contaminated. But see, when they were all saying, I will, he could come into the camp. But as soon as they didn't, he has to move out of the camp. And it's the same thing with the Holy Spirit, with you and I. There's a separation that happens. We say, I do, I will, I'm married, I believe. And then the Holy Spirit has to separate and move away. You quench it, you grieve it, you lie to it, you insult it because you say you will, but there's really no heart to do it. There's no heart to move forward. There's no believer priest really there. There's somebody who wants fire insurance instead of a relationship. You know what happens with that, don't you? It's like a marriage, a, a divorce. A divorce happens. Happens all the time. It's the most horrible thing in the world. God hates divorce. It's never his fault. It's always the parties involved's fault when there's a divorce. And someone will say, well, how do we have this relationship? Well, I can't do your marriage for you. I can lead you in the way. I can point you in the direction. I can introduce you to the Holy Spirit, who is the Holy Spirit of promise. But your marriage, just like your marriage physically, is your marriage. It's your relationship. The two become one. I can't get involved in that relationship. Only God can. The two become one. But if you don't do your part in that marriage, the two really aren't one. You said, I will, but you don't. And the only way to do your part is to surrender and let the Holy Spirit, let God himself become part of that marriage. And a cord of three strands is not easily separated. You braid those three together and it becomes because of God is what your relationship is about. Not because of your selfishness or your selfishness, but because the two became one and they both looked to God. Now there becomes a real marriage relationship where both are agreeing to say the same thing at the same time. And it's the same thing in the spiritual realm. In fact, God's given us all of this so we can understand it and see how bad we're doing at it, that there's evidences of it in the physical and in the spiritual. And those evidences become the witness and the testimony of what the true heart of the inside is on the outside. So with God, I can't, I could tell you, get in the word, prayer, and fellowship. Confess your sin. Even though salvation is the same and God's not a respecter of a person, each relationship is different. He's given different gifts, different talents, different abilities, different callings on your life. You're a different part of the body. You have different issues that hurt you in life, and God's got to help you forgive and forget and move on and give grace and mercy. Each one is different, yet we're all the same in Christ, in the blood. So I can't just go, okay, well, next, 
Okay, you need to read John 1 and uh, jump up and down a couple times. Next. No, no, no. It's now up to you to do what you said you were going to do. I believe. I'm a believer priest. Now I'm going to serve you. I put all my eggs in one basket. Your Holy Spirit is in me now, and you're going to reform me. I'm now back in your family, and I want to obey, but I have no capacity to unless I surrender. And then I do the natural and allow your Holy Spirit to do the supernatural as he washes and cleanses me and makes me more like your son who already obeyed everything for me and gave me his position. So it's a free will choice. Now, as we fellowship together, we can keep one another accountable. That's why it's the word prayer and fellowship. As we fellowship together, iron sharpens iron. There's going to be sparks that fly. I can't believe they said, I'm going to another church. No, let the sparks fly. Come to a brother. Come to a sister and confess it and say, listen, you said this and this offended me. Let the sparks fly. Sharpen one another. It's part of life. When you run from it, you become a victim. Oh, the devil loves victims. You a victim? I'm not a victim. I have victory. I'm an overcomer. I overcome all of that because Christ is set down for me, and I'm now seated with him. I'm not going to be a victim. I'm overwhelmingly more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. You cannot make me a victim again. Well, it's that husband you gave me. It's that woman you gave me. That's good old-fashioned sin and flesh. It's that job you gave me. It's that car you gave me. You can find an excuse for everything. How about just be a believer priest? I believe, God, that whatever's going on, whatever circumstances, whatever problem, whatever yelling, whatever, 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 you don't, you fill in the blank. All of that works together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purposes. Who are that? That's the believer priest. When you look to God, when you cry out to God, he allows it to come so you'll cry out to him and he can clean you and give you wisdom to walk in it. Don't trust in your own heart. Well, I got this figured out. I know I'm in God's house. Really? Really? You're sitting in a building. It used to be a printing shop. You might be here to get some business cards made. Listen, Proverbs 28, 26. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool. But he who walks wisely will be delivered. Saved, safe, walking wisely. The only way you can walk in wisdom, redeeming the time, is to let the Holy Spirit rule because God is wisdom. If you follow the voices of this world, you might be following golden calves. But His Word will never fail you. I can't tell you how to live your Christian relationship with God, but the Word of God gives complete instructions. If we would read it and listen to them and take our free will and say, I'm going to choose to do this because God is always right. God's a perfect God. He gave a perfect salvation. Proverbs 16, 3, commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. Do you want to keep fighting with your thoughts? Do you want to keep living in your own mind, your own self, your own esteem? Or do you want to commit? That's what the word pistio means. It means to commit, to trust, to believe, to become a believer priest. And you commit your works of your hands to the Lord. Now I'm going to serve you. I'm a believer priest. And then he establishes your thoughts. I mean, he already knows. 
Think about this again with the marriage. We'll get to the text in a minute. I just want to rattle a little bit. Listen to me. Think about the marriage. Is there anything more intimidating? I know everybody, oh, let's get married. We're a puppy dog. Listen, this is intimate. The two become one. The two have sex together. The two have relations together. I don't care if that offends you. No, nobody knows me better than my wife. The two become one. They know each other. They know Ben's. They know what's going on. And it's the same with God in a marriage relationship. The two become one. He knows everything already. So we run around pretending, acting like we're in the house of God. I've come to the, to the, to the kingdom of God, and I'm a believer in God, and yet I'm ignoring God. That's not a marriage. And God already knows everything. That's not a witness. That's not a way of life. That's a way of death and divorce. He already knows everything. And if you fool me or you fool them or you pretend over here, it doesn't do any good. When you get to heaven, the pretending's over with because God already knows. In fact, when you're praying, when you're having a conversation with God, when you're getting into the Word of God, it's called intercourse. See, we hijacked it with the words of the world. We hijacked the word intercourse, but it's social intercourse. It's called having a fellowship and a conversation. The two are becoming one. And, and we're saying, God, I'm the bride here. I'm agreeing with you. You're perfect. You already died for me. I know you're not going to do anything against me. You gave me your only begotten son. How will you not do everything else for me that pertains to life and godliness? You'll get me across the finish line. All I got to do is listen and follow and have this intercourse with you, and it will produce fruit. Isn't that what babies are? Produces fruit. See, we got it in a small realm of the image of God where we're producing fruit and training fruit, but God says this is a spiritual thing, and I am producing fruit in you that looks like me, and it looks like love. And it should have joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness involved in it. And the only way you're going to have that is if you become like me as we have intercourse together. Now, I know that might offend some. It might offend a lot of people. It's not a physical thing. It's a spiritual thing. The physical is just a type of it. But when we come to God and we start to bear fruit, He trains us in the way we're supposed to go as we continue to have a conversation, as we continue to get into the Word, prayer, and fellowship, as we continue to confess our sin, which means to agree with the head that the body was doing something wrong. We agree as a whole body. We agree individually. Your sin affects the whole body. When you choose not to agree with God, when you choose to do what you want, when you choose to ignore the Word of God, you become a cancer in the body of Christ. It's pretty serious, isn't it? Because cancer has to be cut off. You've got to deal with it. You can't just leave cancer hanging out because it will infect the whole body. And then everybody begins to act like the apostate church. If you begin to live in apostasy, if you begin to pretend, then everybody begins to be apostate and pretend. That's why we need the perfect law of liberty. We need the Word of God to look in that mirror and keep us accountable. That's why it's love to tell somebody the truth. Now, that's good, man. Keep doing that. That looks good. You look good. Really? Really? 
Is that love if you just let somebody run headlong into sin and keep doing what they're doing, keep living the way they're living, keep ignoring God's instruction? Is that really love when you know it's going to end in death? Is that the way you would counsel a marriage? Is that the way you would counsel somebody for eternity? Keep doing that. Keep pursuing your own interests. Keep living for yourself. Ignore your spouse. Not good. See, what we have to first establish is, am I in the house of God? We had a couple guys at work. We clean carpet. We do flood restoration, but we clean carpet. And they showed up. They're like, man, we showed up to this house. And they, you know, some of our customers leave the key under their mat. They leave the door open. All these things are going on. And they went in. It was an empty house. And usually it's an empty house. It's for sale. And there's a for sale sign in the front yard. They went in, man, and they knocked it out. Two of them, boy, they swept that carpet, cleaned that carpet. They got it all cleaned up. And they said, good job, man. All right. We got that done. They get back to the shop. They were in the wrong house. They cleaned one across the street that was for sale. See, you can get talking. They were talking, and they just pulled up to the one that said for sale, and they went in the wrong house. You can be in the wrong house. You can think you're cleaning and doing good, and all it is is your own works, and there's no wages for it except death. But you got time to repent right now. Silly mistake like that is not eternal. But if you're not in the house of God, a believer, a priest, doing what you're called to do because you're in the word, prayer, and fellowship, building a relationship with God, not listening to men. You cannot live your marriage physically or spiritually just listening to what man's witness is. Man will get it wrong. Man will mess up. But when you go here and you draw near to God, he draws near to you. You don't need anybody else to teach you. You have the Holy Spirit in you. In fact, right now, if you get anything from what I'm saying, it's not because of me. It's because of the Holy Spirit. Because the carnal mind cannot even understand a spiritual book, a spiritual word. So if you hear any of it, it's because the Spirit of God is convicting you, encouraging you, drawing you in to say, I want to be like God. You can't do it on your own. You might think, oh, I'm pretty smart. I'm sitting here. I'm getting this. I'm pretty good at this. I've got this on my own. I'm going to be safe. I'm not in the wrong house. Listen, if you don't do it God's way, you're in the wrong house. Everything about salvation is bringing you back into God's house. And if you don't do it His way, then you're still in the wrong house in your own esteem, in your own pride, in your own ways. And the only way to do it in God's house is to believe in Jesus what he said didn't he whoever believes that jesus is the christ is born of god that was 5-1 you have to do it god's way there's no other way there's no other name in heaven and earth by which men can be saved and i'm just going to tell you i can encourage you i can cheerlead you i can say look at my witness but i can't live your marriage for you if i try to it's called adultery because I'm getting in the middle of your marriage. You have to have a personal love relationship based upon you coming to God who already knows everything about you and saying, look, I got these issues going on. He already loves you. He already knows. Romans 5 eight. God demonstrated his love toward you in that while you were yet sinners, Christ died. He already knows. He came to clean that up. He already gave you the inheritance. It's already yours. It's free. 
But the next step is yours. He came down, and now if you want to go up, you have to surrender too. Oh, yeah, believe, believer, priest. But the evidence becomes obvious when you begin to draw near to God. Then he draws near to you. You submit to God, what happens? If you submit to God, then you're able to resist the devil. That's what James says. You can't resist the devil if you're not submitting to God. First, you have to submit to his plan that kills the lies of the wicked one, that destroys the works of the devil. But it's a submission. Hupotasso, there it is. I said it. The bride has to hupotasso to the groom. It's a marriage. It's a mystery, though. I can't understand it. I can't figure it out. I can't explain it and write down one, two, three, and four for you. But if you'll surrender and be part of the relationship and have intercourse with God, social intercourse conversation where you tell him what's going on in your heart. My buddy went off. Oh, my goodness. I'm gonna, I'll read and pray in a minute. Just give me a second. My buddy went off. I, I answered the phone, and he's like going off. I'll put holes in this wall. Now, see, he's been in the hospital 10 years, and now they're finally giving him permission that he can move out to assisted living. And the judge had to decide that because he's a ward of the court because of his condition and because the state's paying for everything. See, now, this is a problem. That's why when you get the government taking care of you instead of you taking care of you, instead of God being your authority, but that's a different sermon. Listen, he's ready to kick the holes in the walls. He's like, I'm hit. He was screaming and yelling. And I go, dude, knock it off. You're acting like a little child. See, some of you have compassion, and others you save with fear, hating the garment defiled by the flesh. He was just mad that he didn't get his way like a little bitty tantrum-throwing kid. Understandable with a kid, but a grown man. I said, what's going on? He said, well, I got this motion in the mail, and they got my kid's name down as bishop instead of my name. And I go, whoopee, dude. I go, they made a typo. Secretary looked at something wrong. You know who your kids are. You know what their names are? What are you throwing a fit about like a big baby? You know the truth. There it is, the truth. If you know the truth, you don't have to throw a fit over the lies of the wicked one. He finally calmed down. I was talking to him. Anyway, here's, here's the thing. He should have been celebrating that after three months of waiting, he finally got a motion from the judge that said, yes, you can move into assisted living. You're one step closer to freedom. And instead, he was sabotaging his own life by throwing a fit about something he didn't like in the motion. All right? Take care of what you know to be true, and God will deal with the rest of the lies for you as you submit to him. He'll deal with the rest of it. You don't have to figure it all out. You don't have to have all your questions answered. Just submit to God. I said, dude, you're just acting like a little baby. And then he told me yesterday, he said, I called this guy, and he, he yelled at me. And I called this one, and he yelled at me. I said, well, that's what you needed was yelled at because you was acting like a knucklehead. You should have been rejoicing and thanking God that he set you free so you can go to assisted living, and you was throwing a fit because you didn't like a couple words in the motion. Listen, where are you at in all this? You submitting to God? You surrendering to God? Are you a believer priest? Or are you a pit dweller still that goes to church on Sunday to feel good about yourself? Because this ain't about feeling good. This ain't about entertainment. This ain't about being happy. This is about going into eternity in heaven or hell. This is serious stuff. 
Just like in our world, if we would take marriage more seriously, we wouldn't have all this divorce in the church, which shows the watching world. That's our witness. Our God's not very strong. He ain't changing us. We're still fighting like cats and dogs in our marriage. We're still throwing a fit in our marriage. We're still acting like little children in our marriage. Truth hasn't changed us one bit in our marriage. Find out what your responsibility is and walk it out. Because witness is very important. And right now, evidence is what you're looking for. You do not want to find out when you get to the throne room, to the judgment seat of Christ, that you were in the wrong house. Well, my pastor said, I read this book once. Listen to me. You don't want to find out that your name is not printed right in that document when you get there. It's not in the Lamb's Book of Life, not grapho in there, written in the Lamb's Book of Life because you've been in the wrong house. See, that's all the devil wants to do is you to die while you're grown up and living in the wrong house. Instead of God's house, God's authority, God's word, it's some little thing that somebody told you about and you didn't go search it out to see if it was real. Witness, testimony, evidence. We're in a courtroom. It's a grand courtroom. There is a judge. There is a prosecutor. There is a lawyer that's a lay advocate on your side. It's all been settled. And Jesus the Christ is your lay advocate. And he's given you everything, the best defense there is. He took your punishment. You're free if you believe it and become a believer priest. There's going to be evidence of that. The devil's still out there as the prosecutor trying to accuse you and make you look like you're still guilty. But every time he does, Jesus just lifts his hands and says, Father, they're mine. They're mine. They're covered in the blood. You're good positionally, but what are you doing practically? You can't run through the courtroom kicking and screaming and throwing a fit and think you're going to be okay. You have to begin to submit to God and resist the devil and he'll flee. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. And the gavel comes down and the father says, not guilty. What's your evidence? What's your witness? Do you know? He says here in 513, these things I've written to you that you might believe in the son of God and that you might know that you have eternal life. And do what? Continue to believe. He actually just uses the word believe. It says continue in the New King James, but it's in italics. It's not really there. It just means that there's a continuation. There's a constancy. There's a life that keeps living by faith and keeps believing. It doesn't run off and live its life in, in earthly, central, demonic wisdom. It doesn't run off and live its life any way it wants, but it knows that it's married. A believer priest knows they're married to the, to the perfect one, the holy one, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And now underneath his authority, his direction, and that he loves you so much that he'll wash and cleanse your heart. He's already provided all the perfect things for that. But he won't force himself upon you. What do we call that in? Even in marriage, what do we call it on the planet? When you're forced to have intercourse. God's not going to force himself upon you. But he's there with open arms. 
if you want to come and have fellowship with him. If you want to come and grow, you want to come and learn what marriage is really about. Why do I tell you all this? Because there's evidence of a believer priest in the way their heart is going, the way their life is going, the work their hands are doing, the the, the direction they're moving in. Not perfect, but being perfected. Perfect positionally, holy positionally. But we're growing in these things as we surrender and stop doing what we want to do and begin to do what he's called us to do. If we're a believer or priest, if we're overcomers, it's because of Jesus, the Son of God. Not because of anything that we do. It's because he did all the works for us. But if he did all the works for us, then there's going to be evidence as a believer that we're following it. We're living in it. We're coming to know it. We're agreeing with what his mind is. And we're becoming like-minded. You guys have heard that a million times, how the husband and the wife, after they've been married for a while, they start to look like each other. They start to talk like each other. They can complete sentences of each other. They agree with each other. They're both pursuing the same things. Verse 6. I told you I'd read it eventually. 1 John 5, 6. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his Son. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his Son. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life, and he who does not have the Son does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe in the name of the Son of God. Or, New King James, continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Uh, that we can believe in you, become believer priest, that we can believe in you and become the bride of Christ. Wow. We ask your Holy Spirit now to adorn us, to prepare us, to make us ready for the wedding supper of the Lamb. Help us to understand the things that you would say to us and give us a desire to surrender and be crucified with your son, Jesus. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 5, 6, 1 John, this is he, he continues talking about the Son of God, the Messiah. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, pretty clear. Then he repeats it, not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness because the Spirit is truth notice there's not just like in the beginning god created there's no attempt to prove 
here that the Spirit is truth. You just have to believe it. The Spirit is going to lead you into all truth. Truth is a person. It's Jesus. The Spirit is truth. God is truth. They're all three one. But notice that there's, it's repeated twice because we're going to be looking at this. It's called a witness. It's called a testimony. It's called evidence. In the Old Testament, let's just go there. Deuteronomy chapter 17, but we're going to be looking at 16 a little bit first. See, God's heart has never changed. His word has never changed. You say, we're not under law, but the heart of God is still the same. Christ just fulfilled it for you. He didn't do away with it. He just fulfilled it for you. But listen to me, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, let a matter be established. And we need to understand this, that that there's witnessing, there's evidence, there's testimony of whether you are in the right house or not, or whether you are cleaning the carpet with your own authority, with your own selfishness, for your own works, your own religion, there's evidence. And there's going to be those that witness against you in heaven and on earth. And you need to know that while you still have physical breath, physical pneuma in you, because if you stop breathing here and you go there, it's too late. It's appointed for man to die once, but then comes the judgment. And that's why we need to understand when Jesus says you can tell a tree by its fruit, epigenoscos, you can look at what's going on, what their hands are being put to, where their minds at, what they're talking about. If they're still resisting God and doing their own idolatry, they're not submitting to God. They're not resisting the devil. It's a work. I mean, it's easy to live in the flesh. You can run around and do whatever you want and go, I feel good because I went to church on Sunday. But what about allowing the Holy Spirit to wash you and cleanse you? What about drawing near to God, coming to our senses like the prodigal son? There's going to be evidence. I wanted to just bring in chapter 16. If you watch our Bible study from Friday night, I'd seen this, so I said, oh, this was a perfect verse for our Bible study when we were talking about the Asherah poles, the wooden image, the Canaanite goddess. And in 16, actually, 16, 18 of Deuteronomy. Now listen, this is the re-giving of the law. After they crossed over the Jordan, entered the promised land. Is that right? Yeah, let's just start with 18. You shall appoint judges and officers in your gates. Gates is where they did all the judgment at. uh, Running of the cities, which the Lord your God gives you. Notice it's always a gift. Everything here is God's. His planet, everything's His. You don't own nothing, it's His. Pretty soon the government's going to own everything. You're going to own nothing and you're going to like it. Oh, it's true. It's coming. But that's their government. Not because somebody in the world said it, but because the Bible says it. Because of one world government. According to your tribes, and, and they shall judge the people with just judgment. My goodness, how we judge with just unrighteous judgment all the time. What about just judgment by the power of the Spirit? You shall not pervert justice. Man, we are a perverter of justice. Right now, evil is good and good is evil. Everywhere you look, we're a perverter of justice. 
some knucklehead called in the other day and I heard him talking about, oh man, I had this great idea. I had this great thought. Oh my goodness. He was so powerful with his thought and he was teaching it in Bible study about abortion, which is murder. I just quit. I quit. That's not the topic. I'm not going to talk about abortion. It's murder. It's murder. You cannot, you cannot say anything about abortion and make it right. His point was to stop having kids. Oh, really? You just stop living. Stop obeying the first commandment of God to go and populate the earth. That's all death culture. Earthly, central, demonic death culture. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to even bring your brain into that because we're looking at something else. You shall not pervert justice. You shall not show partiality. God doesn't show partiality. Nor take a bribe, for a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise. Proverbs tells you, be careful when you receive gifts. Be careful when you receive something from man. Because it twists you. Blinds the eyes of the wise and twists the words of the righteous. You shall follow. Here it is. This is where I want to get you at. Following. Being in the way with God. Being led by the Spirit. As many as are led by the Spirit. These are the children of God. What is altogether just. That you may live. Not die. Live and inherit the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Free gift. And then I was just bringing this in for the fun of it. You shall not plant for yourself any tree. As a wooden image near the altar which you build for yourself to the Lord your God. Listen, the altar's in your heart. Listen, the only altar that the New Testament church is dealing with is inside your heart. You're the temple of the living God. Don't plant any trees there that take roots and drag you away and you put something else before God that's higher than God in your heart. God should be first. You shall not set up a sacred pillar which the Lord your God hates. Idols. It was Asherah, the Canaanite goddess he was referring to, who was Baal's uh, female counterpart. Seventeen, we'll get to where we want to be. You shall not sacrifice to the Lord your God a bull or sheep which has any blemish or defect, for that is an abomination to the Lord your God. See, you have to start with being a believer priest. What do you say, Greg? You have to start with the perfect Lamb of God. You can't give anything else to God. To become a believer priest, it has to be based upon Jesus, the Son of God. That's what he just said. It can't have blemish or any defect. One, one, one blemish and defect, one of them is caused when you're born, you already have it. The other one is caused by the way you live in life. Jesus was perfect in all of his ways. If there is found among you, within any of your gates, which the Lord your God gives you, a man or a woman who has been wicked in the sight of the Lord your God, in transgressing his covenant, who has gone and served other gods and worshipped them, either the sun or the moon or any of the host of heaven, which I have not commanded, and it is told you, and you hear of it, then you shall inquire diligently, and if it is indeed true and certain that such an abomination has been committed in Israel, in those governed by God, then you shall bring out to your gates that man and woman who has committed that wicked thing and shall stone to death that man or woman, capital punishment, with stones. 
I always wonder, where'd they keep these stones at? I mean, they got vending machines or something. They got them in their pockets. Notice this, you don't read it anywhere. See, this is in the law. It's in the book. It's in the Bible. It's there. God said to do it. He even said to do this to your children. But you never read anywhere where it was done. Except for who? The first martyr of the church, Stephen, was stoned. As he stood gazing up, looking and seeing the Lord standing at the right hand of the Father. And what did he say? He said, Lord, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The same as Jesus said. Don't hold it against them. Whoever is deserving, verse 6, of death shall be put to death on the testimony of two or three witnesses. He shall not be put to death on the testimony of one witness. The hands of the witnesses shall be the first against him and put him to death, and afterward the hands of all the people. So you shall put away the evil from among you. Listen, what's he saying there? The first person that makes the accusation is the one that has to throw the first stone, and then the rest of the community would join in to kill him by the mouth of two or three witnesses. Listen, when you get to the throne room of God and you think that you're going to answer, and okay, I'm okay because I did this good and I did this good, you get there. Really? The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit is going to be standing there. The Father who gave His only Son to die for you. This is His witness. I gave you my Son. What would you do with Him? The son said, I laid down my life. I died and gave my blood and rose again. Did you believe that? The Holy Spirit said, I was there convicting you of sin and righteousness and judgment, pleading with you to be reconciled to God. There are witnesses going to be there. There's going to be three witnesses in heaven, and there's no way you're going to get around it. There's no other way. This is what this is talking about, that you have to test yourself now. Check yourself now. Am Am I in the right house? Am I building a love relationship because of this marriage with Christ? Am I a child of God? This is not a joke. This is a serious thing. And there's three that's in heaven that's going to bear witness against you. And if your name's not found in the book of life, you're going to be cast into hell. You cannot follow men's testimony and men's works and men's books and just believe the spirit of Antichrist that's went out. You have to build a love relationship. The veil has been rent from top to bottom. Now we don't need the priest. We are the priest. We come in boldly to the throne of grace to find grace and mercy to help in time of need. We can have a personal relationship with God because of the person of Jesus Christ, His Son. You become a believer priest. No more animal sacrifice, but one who poured out his blood once for all, the just for the unjust. And yet we're somehow, somehow seduced like Eve was, manipulated like Adam was. And we go on following this world headlong into hell. When all of this has been given to us as a great gift from God. And the witness is so clear And there's no way to escape the final judgment. God is a just God. When we come to the door, we're going to be judged. And the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit is there. The Father loves you so much that He gave His Son. The Son loves you so much that He obeyed even to the point of death. The Holy Spirit is here now convicting. And all we have to do is surrender. You don't have to because of me cheerleading. You're married to God if you're a believer. 
And now he wants to use you, the witnesses inside of you. You can have peace, you can have rest, you can have calm, you can have assurance. In fact, when we get to verse 14, you're going to see that there can be great confidence that you can ask anything you want, and he'll give it to you. He's a loving husband. But notice this, it's because your desires, you've been renewed It's because you're not asking for a Bentley. You're asking for souls. You're asking to do what the husband's already doing, who laid his life down. You can have confidence that God is still trying to save the whole world, that God is always going to do what he started doing. He doesn't stop in the middle and leave jobs undone. He's going to finish it. He's going to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. But we can't play games. We've got to get real with it. There's a lot of entertainment out there. You can go follow entertainment that entertains you right into hell. This is serious, so serious. James says, let your laughter be turned into mourning and your tears into joy because these are the things that make you cry out for your God to help you. Are you crying out to God by the Spirit by which we cry, Abba, Father? Do we realize where we're at, what house we're in? Do we realize that all things have been given and we don't have to go on living in bondage and in sin and chasing the things of this world and worrying about the government of this world? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, considering the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, the way you think, who you're agreeing with, so you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We can prove, we can be a witness, we can be living testimony doesn't matter whether people decide you agree. What did God say? Jesus came by water and by blood. And it's given twice back in our text. By the mouth of two or three witnesses. Now we know John was standing there. Now you can take this a couple different ways. But John was standing there when Jesus hung on the cross. And they would come. The Roman soldiers came and they were breaking the legs of all the other people. And they didn't break Jesus' leg because he had already gave up his spirit because he was a gift. He came and died himself. Nobody had to take his life. It wasn't Israel. It wasn't Rome. It was nobody. He gave it freely. And they came to break his and he was already dead. And so to prove that he was already dead, the, the, the soldier shoved a spear under his heart and blood and water flowed out. There's the testimony that he was really dead. Some will say, oh, it was, just, it was just asleep. He wasn't dead. And they took him down early and they put him in a tomb and he got back up and he recovered. It wasn't a swooning theory. He died and God accepted his sacrifice, his blood. He was the Messiah, the anointed of God. And therefore, we have evidence. We have a witness that he got up out of the grave, that he was dead and, yea, rose again. That's the witnesses John is talking about as he stood there. He was the one whom God lo- or who Christ loved, and he stood there and watched that he died. Can you imagine a person's life? His mother stood there, too. Can you imagine her life? 
But she was already told that it would. Let's just look. Luke 1. I'll read the words to you so I don't have to paraphrase it. Luke 1. Before he was even um, taken to the temple to be committed to God. Is it Luke 1 or Luke 2? Luke 1. Interesting. Luke 2. Verse 34. In the temple, Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul. Speaking of Mary, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Is the thoughts of your heart being revealed? As you become a believer priest, as you surrender, as your husbandman says, hey, you're not agreeing with me. You're not following me. You're not obeying me. You're just doing your own thing in this marriage. And I've given all. I'd like to sanctify you and wash you and cleanse you with the water through the word, the Holy Spirit working on you. Confess it. Agree with me. The Spirit bears witness. See, the Spirit is the one preparing us. The Spirit is the one leading us back into the throne room. The Spirit is the one here now. And if you're led by Him, He's a perfect God who is cleaning us up perfectly and He's leading us in the path of righteousness, making our path straight for His namesake. Who's His namesake? Jesus the Christ. Verse 7, for there are three that bear witness in heaven. Now, no, now listen, I just gonna, I'm going to put this out there. I'm sorry. i got to put it out there just for the fun of it. doesn't matter to me, but I want to tell you that if you try to look this up in a commentary or someplace else to get information on this, they're going to tell you that the early manuscripts did not contain this. It was written in a margin. It was marginalized. It doesn't matter. You don't even need to talk about it. Isn't that weird? I don't know whether it was or not, but prior to the 16th century, it was not in the Bible. I'm just telling you what it says. I like to do that. My wife says, don't tell them stuff they don't need to know. You need to know that. You need to know that. It wasn't in there. And then somebody pulled it in from the margin and pulled it into the text. I believe it's the text. I believe the Bible is perfect. I believe it's the inspired word of God. But I'm just telling you what other people say about it. Because I know there's three in heaven that bear witness. Well, what's a witness about? We're in a courtroom. There's going to be a judgment seat. We're in a courtroom. What do you do in a courtroom? You take facts and you present them and then they look at them and all the evidence is pulled together and then a verdict is given. In this case, it's eternal. This isn't about damages you did to a neighbor's yard. This isn't about some simple thing. This is your eternal destiny in a courtroom that you stand in right now. And there's witnesses in heaven and there's witnesses on earth. And you can know that you have eternal life. Not guess or wonder or worry. Because the witness is in you. 
and your life will change because of that witness. You don't go on resisting because that always ends in divorce. Think about it in a marriage. If both people resist each other, divorce or prison. I mean, you might kill each other. You go to prison. You'll definitely be in bondage in that house, and so will your children. They won't be raised to be free and to follow God and trained in the way they're supposed to go. Let me keep going. I get excited about this stuff. I'm sorry. I digress. (sighs) Breathe, Craig. Three that bear witness. Martyria. Martyreo. That's what that word means. It's used several times here, maybe seven times. Witness, bear witness, testimony, record. If you're in the King James, it says record. And there's three forms of the word martis being used. Why is that important, Greg? Because the only way you can be a witness and I can be a witness is if the Holy Spirit is involved. Well, what does that mean, Greg? Acts 1.8. When they interrupted Jesus in 1.6, will you at this time restore the kingdom? He says, those times and seasons are not for you to know. But, Acts 1.8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be a martyr for me, a witness for me, to give testimony about me, to walk about as trophies of grace for me throughout Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. There is no way to live a Christian life unless the Holy Spirit is leading, guiding, directing, washing, and cleansing, and first seals you into the body of Christ. But we have a form of godliness which denies that power. Where's our relationship with the Holy Spirit? Where's ours being sent and going by the power of God for the glory of God to see souls saved to God, just like Jesus started, our husband. He started that. He wants his bride to follow that. We're his helpmate, just as Eve was to Adam. And Eve was bewitched and calls Adam to follow. And Adam gets the blame. The second Adam, Jesus... He's not been bewitched. He's lived a perfect life. We're the bride. We're supposed to follow, not bewitched all over again like the garden. And you're given an opportunity to walk with God daily by the power of the Holy Spirit. Or you can live like Eve did and continue to be tricked into living selfishly and follow the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the boastful pride of life. It's your choice. It's a free will. But there's going to be a judgment day, and there's a witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit when you get there. You're not going to be able to get around it and go, well, nobody else seen me. It's just you, just one, under law, no, only one can't do it. No, there's going to be three there, and all three of them agree as one because they're the same mind, and they want you to be the same mind. In fact, that's what the Holy Spirit's doing. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Same mind. How do you do that? Read the same book. Listen to the same word. Agree with the same testimony of the Holy Spirit because it's truth. But now what's everything else going on? All these other marketplaces and concourses and ideas and thoughts and processes and indoctrination. And the devil don't care what, which one of you you believe as long as you don't believe this one. As long as you don't agree with this one. As long as you don't say, I do You would really freak out upon me if I told you that the word for agree means is I do. 
wouldn't you? It is. In the Greek, it's I do. Because that's what you're supposed to be doing. Look it up. That one guy on Blue Letter Bible, he pronounces it I do. But it's written down I D O. I do. Freaks me out when I see stuff like that. I'm like, are you kidding me? Isn't that what you say in a marriage? Isn't that what you say in a courtroom? Wait a minute, let's stop back. You might not be married. Do you, tell, do you swear to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth to help you, God? I do. I'm a witness. I do. And my marriage is a witness. I do. My family's a witness. I do. Only by the power of the Holy Spirit. And there's going to be a judgment for it. Now, not all judgment throws us into hell. Some judgment, we just lose all that and it burns up and we get into heaven smelling like smoke. But if you're in the wrong house, it's eternal abyss. And this stuff is easy to find out. Listen, wisdom doesn't stop up here. Wisdom doesn't stop in any church with the pastor. The Bible says in Proverbs 1.23, Turn at my rebuke and I will pour my spirit out upon you. I will make my word known to you. Do you know his word God sent to heal the land? His word is a person. His word is Jesus Christ. It's your husband if you're a believer priest. And he wants you just to agree. Did you hear his voice? He says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. There's a relationship. This isn't that hard of stuff. Unless you start dealing with a sinful flesh, a sin nature that doesn't want to and keeps saying no to God. The fool has said no to God. In other words, the fool doesn't agree with God. And that means I don't. I don't. In the Hebrew, it's the word evil. The word fool is evil in the Hebrew. I'm just telling you. I mean, I, how do you think we made up this language? We stole it from everybody else. English language. We pilfered it. God created it and allowed us to destroy it because he's not going to force himself upon us. But when you get to heaven, there's going to be three there that are the witnesses. The Father. Now listen, you only need two, but there's three. You only need two by the mouth of two or three witnesses. It just can't be by one. But it just so happens these three are one. They're one mind. They're of one purpose. Everything that they do is one. You can't separate them. They all agree perfectly. Because they're the same. It's just it's the Trinity. It's in three persons. I always freak out on this stuff. I don't know if you guys know, but in the, in the Hebrew, when God says, let us make man in our image, let us, it's all plural words, but in the Old Testament, L, E-L, is God. L-O is dual God. Elohim is plural God, three gods in one. But when you get to the New Testament, eternal life is E-L, right? That, that's the first letters of both of them. This is just my brain. You guys can borrow it and go, that dude's an idiot. E-L means God in the Hebrew. It's eternal life in the New Testament. And John 17, 3 says that eternal life is to know the Father and the Son whom he sent. So it hasn't changed. Nothing has changed 
You just, you just have to get into it and build a relationship and have intercourse with the Savior of the world, and he will do all the work. In fact, it's already done. Whether you accept it or not, it's already done. He's already done it. It's complete. It's finished. Tetelestai, paid in full. It's done deal. He sees it. He's outside of time. And he already knows those that are written down. That's why they're written down. He doesn't have to wait to know how this all thing turned out. He's waiting for you. He's long-suffering. He's not forcing himself. He's wanting you to surrender, me to surrender, us to come boldly to the throne of grace. Three, and they're one. It means one, in case you're looking it up in the Greek. or Yeah, the Greek. It's one. It just means one. They're one. One God, three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, or the Word, which is the Logos, the living Word. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 1, 14, and the Word come to earth and pitched his tent among us. Temporary body, just like we have. The Word come to earth and took flesh, became like us took flesh, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Here he is with all the grace, and he is truth. The Spirit is truth. Why? God is spirit. And there's no lie in him. Something you can do that God can't do. I can tell you a whole bunch of them. Want to hear them? You can lie. You can sin. You can do a whole bunch of stuff that God can't do. That freaks people out. I like saying that. Just go, what? Something God can't do. Yeah, he can't, he can't be evil. There's a whole lot of things you can do that God can't do. And there are three, verse 8, that bear witness. Again, we're, we're at this word, uh, uh, martus, with derivatives of it. This is martireo. It means to be a witness, to testify, to give evidence, to bear record of what of truth. There's three that bear witness on the earth. The spirit, though, and the excuse me, the spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. Notice the three in heaven, they are one. The three on earth, they agree as one. And again, like I told you, the word agree. Oh, no, I didn't tell you that, did I? <laughs> Listen to this. Oh, I get blown away by this. Because when I look them up, I almost fall out of my chair. I go, what? Oh, you know what the word agree is? I see. See, the Holy Spirit gives you spiritual eyes to see what the truth is. That's the only way you can do it. It's a spiritual kingdom. It's a spiritual realm. If you're listening to the Spirit, He'll help you to see. What is it? It's Proverbs 123. Return at my rebuke. I will pour my Spirit out on you and do what? I will make my word known to you. Oh, I see. Here's the way to go, Greg. Oh, I see. I'm following. That's not the way to go, Greg. Oh, I agree. I'm sorry. Let me follow. I see. I see. I'm like blown away by stuff like that. I'm like, how can you do that, Lord? How do you make it like that, Lord? Because he's God. 
Agree means I see. It comes from a word to agree or exist as one. It's from a word that means to exist or to be present. Now, again, this is why I think that people like to say, well, these aren't in the original manuscripts, so I'm not going to deal with this because it's too hard to deal with. I don't know how to explain this. And I'm not, again, saying wisdom ends up here, that I don't know how to explain it. You can, I can throw this out, you look at it, and if you don't like it, you throw it out. Because if the Holy Spirit doesn't give you an agreement with what I'm saying, then maybe it is flesh. Maybe it's my idea. But it doesn't change who God is. It doesn't change salvation. But I'm not saying that I can perfectly tell you this, but here's what God showed me. Uh, the three that bear witness on the earth. Spirit. Right? Convicting of sin and righteousness and judgment. Water and the blood. Now listen, because we always say, well, water, that's a type of the Holy Spirit. Wait a minute, you just had the Spirit. So now you can't say water is the Spirit because they just said Spirit and the blood. I'm just letting it lay there for a minute. I'm having fun. Because, see, I wrestle with these things for months while you guys are getting them in one day. I'm wrestling going, Lord, i got to teach that to somebody. i got to share that with somebody. And if your spirit don't show up, we ain't getting nowhere. So now you've got to look at it and you say, well, then the water is probably a type. What's it talking about? Is it the water birth? And then the second birth by blood? Well, see, that's my opinion, that the Spirit is convicting of sin and righteousness and judgment. And in your water birth from your mother, you're born with a sin nature. And the only way you're going to change that is the witness of the blood. And when you have the witness of the blood, then the Spirit comes in. And that he's what he's going to say next anyway. Then that testimony is inside of you. And then you become a witness because of the Spirit of truth living in you that sealed you until the day of redemption. But I digress. It could be something else. See, because the children of Israel, they were baptized into Moses. What had they do? They had to go through the water. They had to go through the Red Sea. They had to go through going, oh, my goodness, if I go through this water, these walls could fall on me. That's a lot of water. But when the enemy tried to pursue, what happened? Whoosh, and killed the enemy. The same rain, the same water that saves you can kill the enemy. That's fun stuff to me. Anyway, it's fun stuff to me. might not be to you. You might not be understanding nothing I'm saying. And then that would be an evidence. That would be a witness. That would be you saying, I don't have the Spirit because the Spirit's not giving me this. Well, maybe I, I think I believe, so I'm saved. Maybe there's sin in my life. Maybe I better deal with this and go to God and say, search me and know me. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in your way everlasting. I want to be right in this marriage. I want to be changed in this marriage. I want to go to heaven because of this marriage. I don't want to sit around and listen to sermons and never do nothing different because I'm supposed to be growing in this marriage. I know if you're really married, you know you grow in love. You stop griping about the toothpaste cap. You stop griping about the towels. You stop griping about, and you start to grow in love. And you accept people where they're at as long as it's not evil. As long as it's not evil. But when the Word clearly says it's evil, 
then we got to deal with it in marriage. We got to deal with it in life. We got to deal with it in our hearts, or we're not being washed and cleansed, and we're grieving the Holy Spirit of promise. Three that bear witness on earth. Earth is land, it's soil. The first word for it is soil. Yeah, I know. <laughs> He's looking at me. We were talking about this. I ain't going to talk about it. It's too deep. There's a sermon in it sometime, though. Sometime. It's the, it's the land. So the Spirit... My goodness. Is that creation all right there? Spirit hovering above the water and creates dry land, and then there's... Oh, never mind. I'll go on. These three agree as one. I see... I see. I see. I was once blind, but now I see. I was talking with Michael yesterday about it. So many bragamonies out there, but a testimony is basically as I see. I was once blind, but now I see. That's a testimony. You don't spend a whole lot of time on I was once blind, but you spend a whole lot of time on I see. Because now I'm agreeing with his name, his authority, his life, what he has said, because I'm coming back to the Father's house. I'm not in the wrong house thinking I'm okay and I don't even know. I haven't tested myself to see if I'm in the faith. And did I say it is a walk of faith? It's, it's a, we're saved by grace through faith. Grace is the channel. Faith is how, it's, 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 it's faith is confident trust that God's grace is sufficient. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So you don't get saved by working. You get saved by being a believer priest. You trust God. You believe that Jesus already did it all and that he's capable of continuing to do it all, the work in your life to become like him and return you to the place of where God created us in the image of him in the day that he created us. And we agree with God. We don't follow death culture. We don't follow the liar that tries to get us to disagree. It's all over out there. Every other voice is the liar. Every other spirit is the liar. It all comes from the devil. This is the only place you're going to get the truth, from the Spirit of God who's still speaking, and He's speaking louder than before, and He's speaking from this Word, and it all lines up with this Word, and it, it hasn't changed. He's the unchanging God. If it changed, it's not from God. He's the Ancient of Days. He don't chew his words twice. He isn't changing his word. I better get moving. We're not going to get this finished. And you guys don't want this same sermon next week, do you? The repetitive guy said. Do you agree with the witness that's on the earth, the spirit, the water, and the blood? You're born of water. You're going to die twice. But if you believe in the blood of Jesus, you're only going to die once. The Spirit is testifying, convicting of sin and righteousness and judgment. If we receive the witness of men, you know how many times people do that? Oh, how'd you hear about us? Oh, so-and-so was telling me. Oh, I believe in God. Why? Because some man. If we believe the witness of man... The witness of God is greater, isn't it? 
Think about it. If I believe the witness of man that there is a God and that he died for my sins and I needed a Savior, then the witness of God is greater. Then why don't we read his word? Here's his witness, 66 books by 40 authors. His witness is telling us everything we need for life and godliness. Man will just take it and complicate it. Man will just take it and turn it into a religious program. Man takes it and messes it up. Come to God. Spend time with the spirit of truth. He's the one that you're married to, not, not man. We're all as part of the same body, so we come together and we share that with one another. What's God showing you? Oh, he's showing me. It's really sad when brethren dwell together and they can't talk about the Word of God. I talk to people all the time. They say, oh, I'm a Christian. I go, well, man, you know what's God showing you? Huh? They don't know what to talk about. They don't know nothing about the Word of God. They don't know about the person that they're married to. They don't know about the God that saved them. Because we ignore the Word of God. And it's the Word that He sent to heal the land. And the Word sent back the Spirit to wash and cleanse us. So important that we spend time, a little bit of time, every day reading in the Word of God. It's a bar of soap. It's washing and cleansing. It's building up one side in the knowledge of God and tearing down the other side. I remember, and, and, and it still happens, but I remember it so clearly and vividly when I was in my first couple years of, of being saved that I would be reading the Bible and all of a sudden I get these crazy thoughts, dirty thoughts, evil thoughts, mean and nasty thoughts, you know. But God was making room in my soul for the new and getting rid of the old. And you can always say, well, good thing that's out. Good thing that's gone. But sometimes he just shows you that it's still there. And you go, I agree. I agree, God, it's still there. Keep washing, keep cleansing. I'm still trying to humble myself here. Keep washing. There's a continuation in this. Nobody is finished yet. But if you're not looking into this mirror, if you're not reading this word, if you're not even looking, how could you agree with it, God, when you don't know what he said? You don't know what he's doing. You don't know who he is. Oh, I pray all the time. Well, who are you praying to? You praying with wisdom? How can I? I don't know who he is. Well, come here. Let's talk for a minute. I got a witness I want to tell you about. Oh, I need those, don't I? Let me, let me read this to you. I read this this week. Hopefully we can finish up here pretty soon. I read this this week, though. I don't know about you, but many folk who I talk to have reached a credibility gap between themselves and the news media, the politicians, and all who are on television today. I'll be very candid with you that there are certain news commentators whom I won't even listen to any longer. I know they are doing nothing in the world but giving out propaganda. They are not giving facts. Everything they give is biased, distorted, twisted from a liberal position. Apparently, they are willing even to misinform you. They are willing to withhold facts to gain their objective. I have come to the place where it does not matter who they are, or to what party they belong, I have no confidence in politicians. Therefore, we are in a place today where it is difficult to receive the witness of men. But the interesting thing is, is that John Q. Public swallow it hook, line, and sinker. 
They continue to listen to the witness of men about what life is. You can tell by the different polls which are taken that a man's influence or his popularity is determined by what the news media says about him. The biggest frauds in the world can be built up by the media. Hollywood, of course, has done this for years. Most people do receive the witness of men. They are taken in by it. If it is said over television or it is in print, they will believe it. There are many people who believe whatever they read or hear, but they will not receive the witness of God. Oh, my friends, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his son. It's the good news of the gospel. It's the message of the gospel. Now, you, you're sitting there reading that, and you might think that is recently written. But that was over 50 years ago that that was written. Some of you weren't even born then, and that was written. And you were born into a lying, deceiving world just like everybody else was. That's been training your mind to believe the smoke and the mirrors, bewitching you. And there's a witness from God. There's an apostasy going on even in the churches. You get your worst counsel sometimes from the church. Why? Because you're trusting. Because you're believing that that person knows the Bible when they really don't. And they've twisted it. They've been, they've been bewitched. Their spirit of the Antichrist. They've been marked to come here and do that purposely against your soul. This is not a new thing. This is an age-old thing that started in the garden. But the witness of God is right here. The witness of God is His Spirit that is in you. If you believe in Jesus Christ, He comes and seals you. The witness of God is His love letter to you. And we'll sit around and believe what man is saying and watch what they prognosticate about. And they're always wrong. But God is always right. You know, it might snow tomorrow. That's what the weatherman says. So it may or may not. They bet about, what, 60, 40, 40, 60, according to which station you're watching. But God's always right. He's never wrong. His word is true. You can believe him. Why don't we spend time with him? He died so we could. He came and defeated this world. Don't be hook, line, and sinkered in by anything on the media. There's liars out there everywhere, demons behind every corner. And the only witness that you can count on is the witness that's inside of you, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of truth, that would give you the Word of God. Even a good orator could trick you into following some lie. If you're lazy, complacent, content where you're at in life, and not pursuing growing in Christ, being washed and cleansed, not pursuing going and doing what your husband wants you to do, be a witness. Because there's only one ministry. It's the ministry of the reconciliation of souls. That's all we're here for. To see other souls reconciled. But there's a bunch of liars out there. And I'm here to tell you, I don't think you can believe any voice that comes through the mediums of this world. 
And I think you need to be suspect and careful on any of them, even if they're teaching the Bible. Because if the world is shutting down and killing God in death culture because they're bringing about their government that's apart from God, why would they allow those people to stay on the air and keep talking to you? But they're taking them down now. They're starting to really remove them. You're going to see it much quicker. And if you're sitting around thinking that COVID's over or all of these shutdowns are over, you're confused. They just tested you. Now they know which one of you is going to follow, which one of you is going to obey, which one of you is going to do exactly what they tell you to do and which one's not. Now they know. Now AI has actual proof of who you are and a character profile. See, God already knows, and he died. The world is not going to die for you. They're going to kill you if you don't obey him. They're going to take it by force. They're going to rape, pillage, and plunder. The enemy comes to rob, kill, and destroy. And God comes to give life. And that more abundantly. I believe we'd be better off to throw our telephones in a bucket of water and keep reading our Bible. Because even the ones you think are on your side are totally against you and you've been deceived if it doesn't line up with truth and it's not led by the Spirit of God. And there's a bunch of them out there. There's a bunch of them out there. That's why it has to be a relationship. And nobody can come into your marriage. If somebody comes into your marriage, it's going to be adultery. It has to be between you and God. You and God. And he's never wrong. He doesn't lie. He's the one that can lead you. He's the authority. He's your government. He's your head. He's your savior. He's your all in all. Put it on the table. He's it. He died for you. And listen, God doesn't have grandchildren. What's that important? It's just you and him. Children only. You can't get in on the coattails of somebody else. Your parents or my parents or their parents. Well, his dad was a good preacher. Well, he sure ain't. He's a terrible preacher. He should have listened to his dad. Listen, everybody's accountable for themselves. God has children. And God will judge those who are not his children and cast them into hell. God's witness is greater. And he's capable of telling you all truth no matter how many other voices are speaking. And you're making a choice to be self-deceived or to follow God, one or the other, always. And what is his witness? He's testified of his son, Jesus the Christ, the anointed of God, who come in a virgin birth, lived 30 years obeying his parents, three and a half years, three, three plus years of an itinerant preacher meeting where he went from city to city telling people of the kingdom of God, never sinned, sinless. They hated him. They killed him. Just like they killed the first witness when Cain killed Abel. Because they were witnessing to the good works of God. To the proper way to follow God. And see, that's what we're supposed to be doing by the spirit of truth. Obeying God. 
having our minds renewed so we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We're the witness. We're the testimony. We're given evidence in the courtroom. And just like they did with John the Baptist, they'll cut your head off. They'll want to kill you if you're speaking of the same God who died for us. He who believes in the Son, verse 10, believer, priest, trust, to entrust your spiritual well-being into something. Into this case, it's Christ and have a continuance with it. He who believes in the Son of God, messianic term, has the witness in himself. The Spirit of God comes and dwells in you. The Bible is clear on that. Ephesians 1.13. You'll be sealed with the Spirit of promise when you believe that Jesus is Lord. So the Spirit comes in and gives you understanding. He who does not believe, God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony of God and has given, has given his son, given of his son. Make God a liar? My goodness. When you don't agree with God, you're saying that he's lying. That's blasphemy. Verse 11, and this is the testimony that God has given us, eternal life. And this life is in His Son. It's the only place it is. It's in His Son. He who has the Son has life. Do you have Him? Listen, in the, in the, in the King James, that's hath, not has. It's the word H-A-T-H, hath. And if you look it up in the Greek, it's the word echo. It's the same word used for the, the, the possessed with a demon lady that followed Paul and Silas around and kept screaming, these are the servants of the Most High God. It's, it's possession. And if you have the Son, then His Spirit is in you. But if you have not the Son, then some other echo, you're given an echo of some other voice. But as a son of God, a believer priest of God, as a child of God, we're supposed to be speaking like God. We're supposed to be echoing the same things that God says, and that's truth. But we do it by the Spirit of God because of the Word of God, and it's for the glory of God so that other souls will come to God. But if we're saying something different than God, we're calling Him a liar, blasphemy. And we have some other spirit that we're following. That doesn't mean you're possessed by another spirit. You can believe the lies of the world and follow them and say something different than God, and you're doing the same thing. You're disagreeing with God. If you disagree with God, you got a problem. you got a big problem. And it's going to end in hell. It's going to end with death. See, it just so happens that right now the devil with his government, he's trying to kill everybody that disagrees with him. God died for you so you could have life because you disagreed with him. And he just wants to make you more like him and get you to start agreeing with him. The devil, no, not so much. You're going to get canceled. You're going to get killed. You're going to get shot in the head. Whatever it is, whatever they decide they want to do. Guillotine. Oh, I'm, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just telling you the truth. And it sounds like some make-believe story. But the way that they stop anybody telling the truth is they get rid of them. They cancel them. They fire them. You're no longer allowed to have that job. But guess what? You can't even go to the store unless you've got a pass, unless you're obeying what we said. But God allows you to freely move about His planet. You can freely do that. But one day there's going to be a judgment. They're making that day now. 
so that they can keep telling the lie. And they're going to get to celebrate. You know what? They're going to celebrate for seven whole years. They're going to have their own little government while God pours out his wrath on the planet. And then he's going to finish it all. Once and for all. And prove that there's no wisdom or counsel against him. Whose testimony are you going to believe? God's or man's? The Spirit comes and lives in you and gives you understanding, makes the Word known to you what's going on. Verse 11, and we'll close. This is the testimony that God has given us, eternal life. Listen, that's a quality. Eternal life is a quality, not a quantity. You got to get this. Everybody has eternal something. It's either eternal death or eternal life. Everybody's living for eternity. But the quality of life is an abundant life, as an overcomer, as a conqueror living with God. Because we agreed with Him. But everybody's eternal. And this life is in His Son. It's not anywhere else. You can't find it anywhere He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. It's that simple. How do you get Him? You believe by faith the witness of the Holy Spirit that convicts you of sin and righteousness and judgment. These things, here John tells us, he's bringing it down, his seventh reason why he's written, these things I have written to you who believe, trust in the name. Now listen, name. Character, nature, authority, the name, the character, nature, authority, the will of God. That's what name means. Look it up in the Greek. It's talking about all of his character, all of his nature, all of his will, all of his authority. You believe that Jesus is the Christ. His name carries all the anointing of saving souls, carries the anointing of leading you out, bringing you to safety into the Father's house, making sure you don't end up in the wrong house and think you're doing good works and playing religion and you're going to be fine when you get to the throne room. The name, salvation in no other name. These things I have written to you, believe in the name of the Son of God, messianic term, that you may know You don't have to guess, wonder, or worry. You know it. You have the testimony in you. You see the witness. You see the evidence because of the quality of life you're living now. And it's not the same as it was. You're not where you're going, but you're not who you used to be. That you may know. Do you know today that you have eternal life? Do you know that if the clouds part today and Jesus raptures the church you're going to raise again see you should know that by believing in the blood of the son of god the payment but there should be witnessing in your life not witnessing like hey did you hear about jesus but in the fruit the direction that i don't want to sin against god anymore i don't want to just blatantly do what i want to do and be my own self but i want to be like my husband jesus the christ And then the second part of it, that you may 
continue, New King James, that you may believe in the name of the Son of God. It's not something that you believe once and you stop. You say a prayer once and you stop. I told her I loved her when we got married. Remember? She shoved that cake in my face and I said, I love you. No, it's not a one-time thing. Do you have a heart to continue? Or have you grieved the Holy Spirit? Now, let me give you this little exercise. We'll close. When you get home today, ask God. Ask God if you're shipwrecked. Ask God if your anchor's in good and you have peace and rest. You're not afraid. You're not, you're not being bullied around by the fear-mongering liars of this world who are getting ready to bring something else. Believe me, this is not over. They're tricking you into thinking, I can rest. And then they're going to come back with another awe, shock and awe. This isn't nothing new. This is what they do all over the place. They create something to make you afraid. And then they can have control of your life. God says, do not be afraid. I have overcome the world. He says, in the world you will have tribulation, but do not be afraid. I have overcome them. Do you believe that? Or are you still running around being directed by the fear of the world, by the voices of the world, by the authority of the world, by the government of the world? I see. I agree. The word written there, these things I have written is grapho. It also means mark. It's a word for mark. It's not the mark of Revelation 13, so don't even go there. But this, this book is written as a love letter for you, that there would be a mark up on you, that people can tell a difference in you and outside of you because of the Holy Spirit's witness. And you should know that for sure. And you need to know it today. And if it's not, you need to repent and ask God where you became shipwrecked at. One step is all it is. And you begin to be led by the Spirit. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the witness of all creation that testifies that there's a creator. Thank you for the witness and all the testimonies of the Old Testament and your word of things that we should do and shouldn't do, the examples of how we should thus live. Thank you for the examples and the witness that you're a loving God, but you also bring about wrath upon the sons of disobedience. Lord, may we not be scoffers and atheists sitting in your church but may we truly be your children being led by your Spirit, being washed and cleansed by your Spirit, being prepared as a bride waiting for your glorious return. Wake us up, Lord. Help us to walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time for the days are evil. Lord, help us to be always be being filled with your spirit.
speaking to one another in songs and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in our heart to the Lord, to you, Lord, because we want to give you all of our worship. Teach us to submit to one another, Lord, and teach us, Lord, to be happily married to you, waiting for you to consummate that marriage one day. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. The Lord bless you. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? Because I